0: Welcome to Blackbird, episode number 71. My name is James, and today I am bringing to you a conversation I had on You're Talking Over Me with Adam Patrick. You remember Adam from my show, and uh, I believe I've been on his show at least once before. Um, He is one of my favorite podcasters, certainly one of my never-miss people, so make sure that you subscribe to You're Talking Over Me. You can find it on all of your favorite podcast apps, along with You'reTalkingOverMe.com. That's Y-E-R-T-A-L-K-I-N with no G and then overme.com. Next week, I will be back with some original content, and I've got interviews scheduled all throughout the month of December. Remember, if you subscribe for $7 a month at blackbirdpodcast.com, you get all these conversations early. Um, I've already recorded a number of shows t- with Tommy Salmon's Popular Liberty, someone named Peyton Garland, who you may not have heard of, uh, someone else named Miles Wakeham, who is a friend of Mark Claire and the Lions of Liberty crew, um, but you may not have heard of him, heard of him either because he's not really in the libertarian space. Um, He's more of an investor and um, finance guru, um, along with a technologist. So I think you're going to really enjoy these conversations. As always, I try to bring a varied crew of people, people who are kind of in our circles, people who aren't in our circles, people who want to talk about philosophy, uh, politics, that sort of thing, but then also some very practical entrepreneurs and um, hustlers and things like that. So Uh, If you enjoy these conversations and you'd like to get them uh, the second that I have them available rather than having to wait a month or so for them to be uploaded to the normal feed, then make sure to go to blackbirdpodcast.com and subscribe. One other way you can support the show and also get video of these interviews, as long as the guest is okay with it, there have been a couple of guests who have balked at me posting videos. So uh, that won't always be the case, but I will be posting the video of the interviews as soon as I have that as well. So similar to the subscription model uh, over on Odyssey, I won't be posting them on YouTube. I'm going to try to get away from the YouTube channel as much as I can. I might still post the audio there, but certainly not the video. Um, And on Odyssey, I'm going to be posting them for $2 per interview. So if you'd like a more a la carte model or if you just like the video model, then head over there. I'm at Blackbird on Odyssey. You can just search for Blackbird at Odyssey.com. I'll be right there. Uh, or you can just follow the link in the show notes. If you don't want to pay two dollars for the videos, which is you know perfectly reasonable, um, if you could still hit the follow button on there. I just would like to kind of up my follower numbers on there just to boost the recommendations and that sort of thing as well. I don't usually do this when I post my appearances on other shows, but I'm going to include Adam's intro because he gives some recommended pre listening to some other podcasts. So uh, if you want to get like the full picture of what we're talking about, head over to the podcast that he recommends at the beginning here. And then I'm going to keep his outro because I think that the song stone by whiskey Myers, which is his outro song, Uh, is just one of my favorite songs so I'm going to let him close it out for us as well so without further ado here is my conversation with Adam Patrick on you're talking over me
1: And welcome to your Talking Over Me, as always. I'm your host, Adam Patrick, and today I welcome James Gentleman back to the show. Before listening to this, I recommend going and listening to Tommy Salmons talking with Andrew from Popular Liberty over on his show, Year Zero, and then check out Biblical Anarchy, the conversation I had with Jacob on that show. That should give you some context for this one or go back and listen to it afterward. But e- either way, those two conversations are going to be something that you're going to want to kind of have context for coming into this. I'm happy to have James back on so that we can kind of discuss a little bit about what's happened in the last few months since we previously talked. And um, man, this doesn't disappoint. <laughs> this is a great conversation and, and definitely left uh, us both with a lot to digest afterward. So I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So before we get into that, just want to remind everybody to go to you're talking over where you can subscribe on your favorite podcatcher or YouTube and definitely remember to keep contacting me. You're talking over me at protonmail.com or on Twitter at I am Adam Patrick and keep going on to iTunes or Apple podcasts, leaving that five-star rating and review. All right, enough housekeeping. Let's get into it with James gentlemen. So man, like a lot of shit gone on since the last time we chatted and, um, I'm not even sure like how to explain all of it. I had a, a really cool conversation with uh, Jacob from biblical anarchy uh, a couple nights ago that he just released today. We we're trying okay, to.
0: I, yeah, I was on I was on biblical anarchy like on his live stream right after he finished interviewing you. And uh, I wanted to listen to that before I came on here. But uh, I've been doing chores and stuff all morning.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't listen like to that. But uh, yeah, it seemed to go well. And <clears throat> it's interesting about. 52 53 minutes in I realized that we were having like two completely different conversations which it's it's good that we had that we were talking because I probably wouldn't have realized that and what I drew away from that is I've never had really any interaction with anyone in the Protestant field other than you know like probably most of my friends are but we've never talked about it right like I grew up Roman Catholic ish And now everyone's kind of exploring Eastern Orthodoxy. So when I was comparing, you know, or saying that libertarianism seems to me like Christianity without Christ, what I was failing to take into consideration was the entire political and socioeconomic underpinnings of the idea of the United States of America is the Protestant work ethic, right? Like, yeah, right. It it seems when when I think about it now, it's like, oh, like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the whole disconnect. And I wasn't even like thinking about, I mean, that that idea came into my head. But when he was talking about Jacob mentioned, like evangelizing, I went, this is this is where we're this is where we're disconnected. Right. Mm -hmm. Like now. So from that, I just went, "Okay, I didn't go back far enough again. Right. Descartes wasn't far enough, like maybe Luther or we can even go back to like, um, like, I don't know how far back we want to go the schism, you know, or William of Ockham. Right. There's just so many places you could go back to further than the Enlightenment to figure out where this whole reason your way into, you know, proving the existence of God disconnect comes from. And then realizing that actually libertarianism and and reformism or Protestantism actually do intertwine really well. They actually do complement each other where I was looking at it from a much different perspective. So,
0: well, and if if libertarianism or really the the United States like social gospel is Christianity without Christ and Protestantism is Christianity without the church Hmm. and the church being the body of Christ kind of, kind of, I I mean, in that sense, Protestantism being the forebear to the United States social religion um, or the social gospel rather is kind of like Christianity without Christ, at Hmm. least the earthly embodiment of Christ. Uh, and that's why that's why I've always been so critical of Protestantism, even I mean, you know, I've been on Jacob's show three or four times and every time I'm, you know, sort of I'm sort of his token apostate Catholic, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like I, I I the way I see it is that if there's going to be a religion and and there is obviously it needs to be apostolic Christianity, whether that's um, in the form of Catholicism or Orthodoxy or some some version of those two sort of uh, faiths in schism as they existed prior to Constantine which I think probably Constantine is where the is where it is sort of the the where things kind of started to fall down mm. um, I was actually just thinking about this today too uh, listening to I think Monica Perez she was talking about how a Catholic priest blessed the metaverse. He like, you know, Mm. uh, (laughs) and so I I was like, why would why would a Catholic priest do that? They were also the the Catholics were also super, uh, super on board with the covid regime. And what it what it kind of boiled down to, at least in my brain, and this is literally like 30 seconds of thought. So I I could I could be probably speaking out of turn, really. Um, But it seems like the Catholic Church to its very beginning. Um, when paul wrote about the you know this is the this is the statue of the unknown god well i have that god for you to the 21st century where they're blessing the metaverse all of these things were um, catholics have attempted to um insert themselves into the culture and take the take the pieces of that culture that can be compatible with christianity and sort of um sacralize it so that it is part of christianity i mean that's why we have christmas and easter when they are you know i mean the the atheists use that as um as sort of an anti-catholic thing oh yeah you just stole all the pagan holidays these aren't real christian holidays well no we didn't steal them they they were they were they were like declaring victory over them Mm. um at some point and i would i would probably pin this on vatican II. the catholic church stopped declaring victory and just started and just started uh um appeasing the the culture as it exists rather than so in in a lot of ways um the catholic church has become as our evangelical friends have predicted the catholic church has become the antichrist and that that terrifies me because like you know whether whether or not i believe all of the catholic doctrines and things i do think that there needs to be a christ bearer in in the world
1: otherwise everything goes to shit yeah well i mean what is that that leaves us with the the orthodox then Right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> so I, I guess it answers like the question that people would ask a year ago. It's, you know, why is everybody tuning to this? And I went and I was saying at the time to me, it just seems like they have the biggest life hack. And then I had, you know, Cyprian came on the last time we talked and reworded that a little bit better. Um, I don't I, I'm not going to try to paraphrase it, but he had a better way of stating it on that episode than I was trying to say it. It's It's like it's an unbroken line, I guess, is what he was mm-hmm. getting at. And it never really gave. while Christianity itself is very adaptable, right. And very kind of pliable, depending on the situation that it's in, which is probably one of the reasons why it was able to integrate so many pagan ideologies along the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it just figures out kind of how to get in there and, and I don't know, appropriate them or what was the word you used? use a better word than appropriate. I think I used it. I think I used a peas, but yeah. Okay. That's probably not. That That's probably better. Um, but it, it has that way of kind of working itself into a victory over something like and then integrating yeah. it and bringing it together. Um, it, interesting about um, Constantine, that was really the formation of the state version mm-hmm. of Christianity. Right. And yep. then it becomes the guiding principle for government and a lot of debate about whether or not Constantine was doing that just for political reasons or machinations or or whatever. I You know, I, I've heard it both ways. I tend to lean on the side of people in power probably want to have more power. So I'm sure it wasn't, you know, terribly genuine. (laughs) Uh, Just seems like a running trend throughout humanity. Um, But yeah, maybe it's the unbroken line and also the kind of the mystical quality of uh, the Eastern Orthodox tradition that is appealing right now. And that's probably why you see folks going back and forth between Sufism or mystical Islam things like that. And, and orthodoxy too. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting to think about. I I was listening to a guy who sent it to me. um, Caleb maybe. Uh, Yeah. Caleb sent me something on, on Twitter today. And I was listening to a video about a guy talking about all of this. And I went and he was the one that mentioned like William Baccham and then Matt Erickson even was texting and he was like, no, you can go back even further than that. Like basically naming a couple people all the way back to the schism and I was like, "Geez, how far?" And now you're saying Constantine. I'm like, "Shit, what do we go back to like 34 AD and just start there?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, really, I mean, the like I said, the the the
0: temple of the unknown un, unknown god or whatever that Paul wrote about. I think it's in First Corinthians, or it might have been in. It, actually, it might have been like a part of Acts. If you, that feels narrative, anyway. The uh, you know, I mean, they they pinpointed this this thing that was actually a pagan symbol, and and sacralized it was that the word you're looking for that that Uh, works um and you know i mean obviously if you're if you're christian you can't call into question the the acts of the biblical authors but you know i mean using that as sort of the the template for integrating christianity into normal day-to-day life and secular societies and things the other thing also uh doing that where you are evangelizing and, you know, taking over these countries and societies, uh, bringing Christ or Christianity to these secular or pagan cultures is different from what libertarians and the United States did, which was a reaction to Christianity, Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to a reaction to secularism. Um, so I guess there's also something there, and like I said, I thought about this for less than a minute, so
1: right. I, I, I don't want I to. I well, don't wanna, it's like every time I don't want to say that um, this is like the finality
0: of my of my of my view on this or anything like this. And also, like I'm still I'm still reticent to you know full blown call myself a Christian. So I, I don't want to be on here as like the apologist
1: or anything like that either. Sure, and and I I even said to to Jacob, I've never actually called other than when I was a kid, I, you know, in, I've never called myself a Christian. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to explore these things as it's. And it's strange because there's a real like focus on the mystical, but you have to use the material. You have to use your left brain a little bit yeah. to rationalize yourself to something that's very irrational. Which I, and mm-hmm. I don't want to fall into the trap of all of the people I'm critiquing. They're they're trying to rationalize it so much they rationalize themselves out of what they're looking for. Yeah. There has to be <laughs> yeah, like exactly. a, a nice balance between the mysticism and the and the materialism in there, so you don't lead yourself completely astray. But really what this all stemmed from for me was looking at the consequences, right? Like looking at COVID, looking at the lockdowns, looking at the masks and the, and it was, you know, the same reaction, like so many of us had in the like libertarian space, which was holy shit. Like we're seeing the birth of a religion right now. This Mm -hmm. is crazy. Yes. And like, it has to be the consequence of something like, yes, you see like mass hysterias and panics and manias over history, but like glo- like now we're global. Everybody is connected mm-hmm. at any moment. You can talk to anyone anywhere on the planet. So we saw global mass hysteria form itself essentially into a religion that was willing to kill it was willing to yep. martyr people for the cause. And I went there had there has to be a reason for that. It's a consequence of something and this is my break from libertarians is the libertarians don't want to admit culpability. And I'm not I'm not saying that that's a fact. But my reasoning is libertarianism as an offshoot of classical liberalism or liberalism as an offshoot of the enlightenment, as an offshoot mm-hmm. of the reformation, as an offshoot of logic and reason, rationalizing yep. trying to find the like there's culpability there. And I can't you know, if I'm going to question, like, why do how do we get here? You know that that materialist kind of uh, mora- uh, morality less like, you know, lack of morals and. F and trying to s- distill it down to like some materialist ethics, you know, and yep. probably the best person who articulates this is, is ACE on Twitter. I really appreciate having the conversations with him because he is point blank delivering like in the most concise and coherent way, exactly what libertarianism is. So it's very easy to have the conversation and distill it. Um, but he but because he believes that's the right way and that's fine, you know, whatever. Um, will not like admit admit the culpability, which I I just don't see how you can't come to that same rationalization.
0: And if you're, if you're correct in that, this is uh, like an emergent religion. I I think that it's probably at least, at least since Descartes, maybe even since the, since the reformation, like maybe it's that Martin Luther was Abraham and Descartes was uh, like, you know, Moses and then fast forward and Abraham Lincoln is Elijah and, Woodrow Wilson is Isaiah and LBJ is John the Baptist. And so now, you know, we've just had this progress of progressivism, um, that has led to it being a full fledged sacramental ritualistic, uh, faith. Like, um, uh, the first time I heard you say we've seen the emergence of a religion I'm like I don't know it feels like the progressive movement was sort of the emergence of this religion but really it wasn't it wasn't what it is now this this thing where we've got uh, the like the hallmarks of religion creed like the beliefs code the moral, the, the moral rules and call to the rituals that had not become a thing until, until now. And now uh, it, 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 you know, it might've started with the SJW movements or something like that, but now you have sacraments and that kind of is the fullness of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a religion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like you said, the, the, the lack of like a firm code. Well, there is, I guess there is kind of a firm code. Like, you you know, don't, don't say the naughty words and and don't blaspheme um don't don't kill people in self-defense if those people are engaged in a holy ritual of you know writing um there there is that so maybe can you can you expand a little bit on on the morality piece that you were just talking about
1: um yeah well i I guess I was just uh, – while you were talking, sorry, I was listening, but I was trying to look up who the gentleman yeah. was that I was listening to that Caleb sent. I think it's Scott Hahn, I think, is either the guy oh, whose Scott show Hahn. it was. Oh, yeah, he's or, fantastic. Okay, so yeah. he was the one who – and I'd never heard this, but obviously I know William of Ockham because everybody's heard of Ockham's Razor, so I'm a little bit familiar yeah. with that. I didn't realize that Martin Luther considered William of Ockham one of his greatest um, – one of the greatest thinkers, right? He was basically oh. all of his – I didn't I didn't realize that the guy laid it out in like 10 minutes in the video. And I was like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Now that I now that I see it, um, I'll I'll try to if you can track it down in there, I'll try to link it to you sometime. So I don't look like I'm dismissing what you're saying. But as far as the, the morality part, it's w- what what they're doing. It sounds like with this modern right wing Rothbardian libertarianism, which is really like pretty young. Right. It's like less than mm-hmm. 100 years old, but like barely over 50 years old. Um, Is is trying to, like, find a way to create some sort of roadmap for peaceful human existence. Right. And it's like, well, you know, we have something like twelve thousand nine hundred years that we can explore also. Right. That maybe offers up some guidance in how one might go about doing this. Right. Or maybe just go back to that. Like we don't it's like libertarians think they created this from scratch. Like the mm-hmm. world was a fucking amorphous mess of immoral human beings. And Rothbard came along <laughs> and they're like, oh, don't hurt people and take their stuff. Like, geez, if only we had known about this 2000 years ago. <laughs> For real. And I'm like, I, I, you know what? I
0: frequently. I frequently. I frequently say that Ayn Rand was the end of the modernist period because of her philosophy. Her her philosophy was just such an absurdity um, in comparison to, you know, the people who she was inspired by, like she claims to only have been inspired by Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas. But like, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of Locke. There's a lot of Descartes. There's a lot of, all of those enlightenment thinkers in Ayn Rand's philosophy. Um, And I think that, this like sort of apotheosis of liberalism that just happened to be that happened to correspond in time with Ayn Rand um, is what the postmodernists were really reacting against. Mm. Uh, and. But then, it, but, uh, you know, that might just be a blinder for me because I'm a Rothbardian and I, I don't care for Ayn Rand. Maybe it is just the the libertarian ethos uh, as it as it emerged in the middle of the 20th century that that was sort of this absurd Like absurd, I think is the right word, because it is a little bit absurd when you when you when you think about it in real world real world terms. uh, it does feel like, you know the, the the catchphrase, you know, not no rule, not no rules, just no rulers, that's completely ahistorical. Yeah. so maybe i mean maybe, maybe maybe i'm maybe i've just become a post libertarian i don't know
1: <laughs> well I, I even said to uh i even said to jacob because i i know he wasn't going to ask this but i really just wanted to get it out there like what what is a post libertarian and i i just said i think it's somebody who used to call themselves a libertarian and now no longer yeah. does like that's just the best you know like your post you're over it it's, it's done like, mm-hmm. you, you can't and and rand you know i've never liked her i've never i like the theme of some of her books Um, her writing style is ghastly Uh, it just can't get into it at all it's it's so weird and prosy i I don't know it's very strange writing style but it's like she objectivism as if she discovered something that thirteen thousand years of human religion philosophy you know metaphysics like didn't touch on and just but she just discovered it it's brand new Mm -hmm. and so yeah, totally. I mean, at least the, the postmodernists um, who were incredibly well read and well experienced were at least not trying to create something new. Right. At right. least they had the the like the general common sense to break things down and study them in their pieces than to just be like, oh, you know, what we created like the lose world. You can come to the theme park and <laughs> ride on this, yeah. you know, go on this Ferris wheel or something like at least they were exploring, you know, that that shows at least some creativity. Or impetus to change something on their part, rather than just dig your heels into something that you magically made up one day.
0: Yeah. Well, and so so what happens next? Like, what? Where where are we right now? As sort of. <laughs> Do you think that libertarianism as an ideology has much future? Or do you think that most people who call themselves libertarian today, barring, you know, some of the real
1: true believers like Ace with all due respect to Ace, like he's he's great. But uh, no, listen, if the world was full of of like uh, five billion aces, we'd 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 at least be on the right track to something. Yeah, you know, like the, yeah so. I'm not saying like stop doing that and go be a fucking progressive or something. But yeah.
0: But do you th- I mean, do you think we're going to. Become just like the progressives over here and the like post libertarians. But like, what I mean, will will first of all, will post libertarianism converge on some sort of coherent philosophy? Because right now, you've got like the paleos and you've got the uh, I mean, there's plenty of neo reactionaries who used to be rea- who used to be libertarians. So there's the NRX guys, um, there's uh, who else? Uh, yeah, Matt, uh, Andrew, popular liberties thing, what's it called? Praxians. Mm-hmm. I, do you think that we'll converge on something, or do you I, I think, think it's
1: we're just... Who was the person who said, um, "People don't have ideas; ideas have people"? Do you remember who that was? <clears throat> no, but I've heard it. I'm, it's a great statement because what, what I think is, um, and, the, and the reason libertarianism gets grouped into liberalism which is, you know, the same branch of thought that gives you progressivism, socialism, communism, everything, mm-hmm. right? Let the, yep. you know, yep. conservative, whatever, um, is that it's it's still trying to work through the Hegelian dialectic, that there's something new that's going to be created here. And what I see people doing, whether it's NRX, we should probably get into, like, your definition of what NRX is, because it, it's evolved for me over time. But it seems to me that people are <laughs> trying to go back and find older ideas, and then update them right to, mm-hmm. to look back at, you know, the Windows 98 of our minds and think, OK, do we really need all of the features in Windows 11? Do we really need things to look like this or, did, or was it just simpler back then? And we were trying to make it all flashy and cool, but really we just ended up corrupting the entire operating system. Um, so I, I don't I don't know if that's a good take either. I think going back, looking at the ideas and keeping them as is as they were then is kind of a goal of mine. And I think the NRX guys and certain people are trying to, trying to like have their cake and eat it too. So they're still working through the dialectic, but they're going back further than the libertarians are going back, you know, Mm -hmm. to monarchist and looking at that idea or something. And, and maybe that's better, but I don't know if updating it to like the Yarvin model of a corporation running a town is going to end up where he thinks it's going to end up. Because that seems to be where we're going now. He just yeah. wants the right in charge of it other than the left. So I think and I don't want to speak for Andrew, but he's got a very biblical focus in what he's doing. And it tying that into um, kind of the Yarvin um, Hoppe idea, but driven by the principles of the Old and New Testament. That's an interesting take because Yarvin's an atheist Hoppe, um, there's there's definitely biblical stuff in Hoppe, but it's not terribly yeah. revolutionary. It just is I the think libertarians. Hoppe's Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, in like his political philosophy, it's mm. it's not like he's. Oh, I see. He's yeah. he's tying in in some in some of the books, like stuff from the Bible, like biblical ideas of like marriage and family and community. But I don't hear him saying, like, we're doing this on the path to God is my point, you mm-hmm. know. So th- there's a thing think- that's a lot of people doing it a lot of different ways, like you said.
0: I think that uh, one thing that one thing that I I kind of convinced myself of and I I don't know if it's true or not but uh as someone who has at various points like identified as a postmodernist um I do wonder if this all of this stuff where like modernism led to postmodernism if it's less ideological and more just like historically inevitable um it feels like and this is this is the very first time i had this thought was when i was watching vin armani's uh the the cycles of history i forgot, the, forgot what it's called but uh, the ascendance project oh yeah um yeah. that like the idea that history is cyclical had never i i i had like learned in history class that oh yeah well in the west we believe that history is a line and in the east they believe that history is a wheel and so since we're westerners we're going to we're going to learn the linear view of history but just know that like other people have other views so i never understood like what it meant for history to be circular so to speak um and but i I do think that probably meta history is definitely cyclical so maybe like history is more like a spiral than either a wheel or a Mm -hmm. or a line um And so to, so with that in mind, I, I don't know if it matters whether Yarvin has good ideas. I think that probably we are headed for some sort of neo feudalist society, you know, with, with a CEO or something like that at the top. And the reason it's a CEO and not a King is because, well, we're, we're coming out of this age where the CEO is the King. Um, I uh, I was just talking to my partner. um, (laughs) Have you heard of this, this, this conspiracy theory—it's not even really a conspiracy theory. It's more like a—it's more like a, another sort of just historical view, I guess. But uh, it's about tar- Tartaria. Have you heard of this?
1: Um, yes, because what, what's his name? Owen Benjamin started Taria. and wasn't it a take on that? Wasn't it? Didn't I have that no idea. To do with it. Okay. I don't
0: follow. I don't follow him. I did see him in, I, I did see him live once. He's hilarious. Uh, but uh, yeah. So Tartaria is this idea that humanity created all of this wonderful architecture that the gothic cathedrals and you know the the state houses with domes and columns and all that stuff um and then somewhere around the early 20th century all of the uh, like either either humanity like died out and was replaced by just us dumb people who don't know how to build anything except for big boxes uh or like all of the knowledge was lost or something but when you really look at it we build, we build architecture according to what we worship. It's not like, it's not like we forgot how to build a Gothic cathedral. It's just that we don't worship God anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we worship efficiency. And so we're going to build big rectangles that, you know, reach to the heavens because we're, you know, we're still going to do that. But, you know, I mean, you don't need a Gothic cathedral when, when materialism is your end, you need efficiency and you need, you need a, a, a cathedral that's, that's, you know, built efficiently. And so, you whether it's the pope or, you know, your your local church pastor or the CEO, someone is going to emerge as the head of state. And I think that because right now we're kind of in that that point of the cycle that, uh, of Vin's cycles, Cyprian cycles, um, where we're either coming coming to the, the very apex of or entering into this cycle where the merchant archetype um, is sort of the the dominant social mover uh that's that's the archetype that's going to be at the top um and so you know i mean I, I so i i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that i like i agree with yarvin that this is how it should be i'm saying that i agree with yarvin that this is how it will be mm. and so and as so as close to his model where you know the transition is peaceful you're not you're not like you're not murdering or concentration camping these people. You're you're giving them a means to integrate into this new society. I think that's probably the best we can hope for.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I mean, I guess (laughs) if we're talking on a, on a macro like global level or even like, you know, interstellar level or something, and since we're apparently Mm -hmm. we're we're destined to do that. um, I just, I find it really interesting that you can go back to, you know Genesis or Exodus or you know Deuteronomy or whatever and and they're telling you not to do that <laughs> like they're they're telling you yeah. thousands and thousands of years ago not to do the very things that we're doing um uh-huh. and it's like you know if I'm an atheist or something I'm, I'm like well you know it's not the word of God it's just you're just but it's like someone still said it right yeah. someone still has the it's tower kind of of eternal Babel. wisdom like it, <laughs> right <laughs> right, so we're we're we're, we're going to say these people are like backwards, you know, sky fairy worshippers or whatever. But what they're saying way back then is still applicable. There has to be a reason that these lessons keep being told over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again, right? So if we're just destined to play them out, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I that doesn't sound hopeful, <laughs> but um, I mean, maybe that's why so few people ever really, you know, make it out. Right, like maybe Hegel's right, and that's just the 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 line that we're you know as a macro people we're destined to go on. Yeah, um, but you know, like I don't have to, or you don't have to.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and that gets into the the anarch, which you know I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna want to interview you this interview you on this uh, eventually once I finish the book finally, but uh, if you look at the society in in the book Oym- Oymusville, it's you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a really libertarian and almost libertine society that happens to have a dictator. Mm. You know, I mean, sure, like it's not it's not a it's not a republic and it's not it's not a covenant community, but it seems to be a dictator who has cracked the code and done it right. I mean, it looks a lot like what what Yervin, uh, the picture that he's painting in Grey Mirror. Um, except that of course it's not a ceo with a board of directors it's a dictator with a council uh, a very small council Mm -hmm. but you know one a council nonetheless so i don't know i don't don't know i i don't think that necessarily this like form of state is any worse and is quite possibly much better than what we've got now
1: yeah i mean you know Jünger was a big influence on on Yarvin and specifically that book. Yeah. So you can definitely yeah. see you can see the parallels and and you're right. Like you, you must feel if, if you take the, the main character out and if, if you if anyone's read the forest passage, you can see Jünger's evolution where he's basically he he is describing an anarchist in the forest passage. And then he's, you know, in the in the what? Twenty five years in between trying to remember is 40 something know. like that it
0: was 1951 to
1: 1977 Not 51 That's to 77 right 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 yeah. okay so you can see his evolution out of that whole communist block, kind of coming out of world war ii into you know what was happening in the 70s mm-hmm. and and then realizing kind of and by this time he'd lived through what six different regimes in the country of germany like six yeah. different forms of government so you'd have to it think is- by that point you're like you know what i can make it through a seventh <laughs>
0: yeah exactly yeah it's impossible to it's impossible for you and i like we're both what near 40 like we're we're Mm -hmm. we're babies compared Mm -hmm. to compared to younger i mean he was ancient he was (laughs) (laughs) he had lived through so much um and you know i mean the wisdom of elders is is one thing i mean boomers aside maybe um the it's it. It's important to learn lessons from people who have lived through that much. Uh, you know, I mean, he's been through the entire fourth turning cycle almost. I think. Yeah, yeah,
1: hundred and two <laughs> or something, hundred and four when he died or some shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the anarch the concept. You know, t- taken abstractly out of the out of the book, appeals to me because it, even like on a non-religious level, because that's touched on very little. It's. You know, the idea that everything's a joke, it's all fake, it's all going to go away, you know, it'll be something else tomorrow and I'm just not going to let it bother me kind of mentality is Mm -hmm. a really peaceful way to kind of and whether he intended this to be the case or not. It really does calm down your mind and allow you to be receptive to bigger, more metaphysical ideas to get in there. You know, like once once I stopped giving a shit about and everything COVID related. And just I stopped caring like I don't mm-hmm. care. You know, I walk into store. If somebody says you have to wear a mask, no one does. But if somebody said it, I'd be like, yeah, I'll just leave. Like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I'd carry no burden of it on me. And once I made that decision, everything else in my life just started becoming better. Mm-hmm. You know, so the Anarch might be the catalyst to be able to receive bigger, more important ideas.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And that man, I, I have evolved that much in the last couple of years too. Like I remember at the very beginning of the pandemic, when everybody was washing their mail and stuff, uh, I went to, I went to a farmer's market and they had these beautiful tomatoes and I wanted to buy a couple. And the lady at the, uh, the lady on the other side, um, she didn't make me wear a mask. Like, I don't think, I don't remember if anybody was masked. No, they were. I remember because when the workers were carrying heavy boxes around, they took off their masks, uh, but then they put them right back on. I don't think I wore one, but she wouldn't let me touch the tomatoes. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to bruise tomato. She wouldn't let me handle them. She said, I can I can hold it up for you and show you. <laughs> um, and she was wearing gloves and all that. Uh, and I I eventually left, but I tried to argue with her like like me telling her, well, it's not spread by surfaces. There's no evidence of that. <laughs> right, like, right. What, what what, good does that do? It's not going to change your mind. It's mm. not going to change the mm. policy of her employer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and now I'm to the point where, like, you know, uh, I'm checking to make sure concert venues aren't requiring vaccine evidence uh, before I get tickets and like that's just kind of where I'm at I'm not like broadcasting that to all my blue pilled friends like oh no I can't go to that because you know there's they're asking for vaccines um and you know I mean it it feels a little more comforting one place where I am still struggling and <laughs> I did this four years ago and a year ago and now again this year was is voting um my partner who is very influential on me as you can tell uh does not vote he is a non-voter because not because not for the same reason that like thad russell is a non-voter thad russell thinks i don't have the right to vote on other people's rights um mm-hmm. and that's a very like libertarian anarchist kind of position andrew my partner doesn't vote because it's there's there's no reason to like mathematically if his vote uh if his vote were gonna make a difference, it still wouldn't matter really. Um, so but this year we had a friend running for mayor in Minneapolis. So last year I voted for Trump in the presidential election and I felt filthy. <laughs> and I said, I'm never voting again. And but I couldn't I, I you know, I mean, it looked like Minnesota was gonna be in play for crying out loud. My one vote might matter. It did it, it, obviously it's not gonna matter. But um so so this year we, we both voted because our friend was running for mayor and I still, I felt filthy even voting for my friend for mayor um, and voting against to fund the police and voting against a strong mayor system and voting against rent control and all this stuff. And I, you know, I, 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 I voted for my values and I still felt dirty Hmm. and I, I made a, made a pact with my partner in the car. I'm going your path. I'm never voting again. And just this morning, I was like, "Oh man, what if uh, what if Scott Scott Johnson, who's a he's a physician who's like super anti COVID restrictions, runs and and gets the Republican nominee for for nomination for governor? Ooh, I could vote for him. That'd be great." And I reminded myself how filthy I felt the last couple of times I voted, <laughs> and but still, like it's just part of me. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why that is. It's every other every other piece of that sort of anarch way of looking at things is great for me. Um, maybe i don't know he uh martin venator comes across as a little bit dogmatic sometimes mm. like there's a lot of as an anarch i believe blah 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 as an anarch i do this particular action or refrain from doing this particular action which to me is you know i mean that's probably unavoidable um so i guess that's one thing like i i feel like he he doesn't claim of faith for instance as an anarch and you know i mean if i if i if i end up you know going full bore on the christian thing then you know that's probably incompatible with with this ideology but uh, in general voting and being like part of the electoral process is is the hardest thing for me to like separate myself from and it probably it's probably just you know because i'm so surrounded by and inserted into the libertarian party milieu Hmm. um i vowed i'm not going to run again for my position on the state board next year uh but you know i mean these are my friends and so it feels like i'm part of something i guess like i'm part of a club and so voting
1: is just part of that club yeah i mean what better way to sum up what the libertarian party is than that sentence i mean that's literally yeah you know, it literally is. I'm, unironically, exactly what it is. Absolutely. You know, if yeah. voting's just a thing you do. It's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I think. Um, yeah. Well, for the listeners, Martin Venator is the main character of Umsville. Oh. That's just so we know we're not talking about another politician. That was a character from the from the book. That person's not actually running for anything. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think that there's something to that. Um, I I tied it in with kind of the Sufist philosophy, which is. You know that there's many paths to get to the same endpoint, and giving yourself the flexibility to explore that uh, and realize that there's, you know, many paths to the light and many paths to the darkness. Mm -hmm. And within that framework, realizing that um, Orthodox Christianity or just Christianity as it's supposed to materialize um, is probably the best path or at least. The only path that we yeah. have that really gets and that would be completely in line with sufism i believe because they would not be they, they would uh, like a sufi um mystic would be looking at you as an individual and in what you would need to do or change or adapt to in your particular situation right then that could make you a stronger human to be able to accept the direction that you need to go on, like it's very, very much an individual to individual relationship, which is very similar to the spiritual father in Orthodoxy as well. Like there, you know, there is a way, but there's many different paths for you to take to get there. Um, to me, that that corresponds very well with the Anarch because you're leaving yourself open, the flexibility, um, so you're dogmatically making sure that you're not terribly dogmatic. You know, so it's it's a very interesting way of holding yourself accountable, but not so accountable that you're missing things on the periphery.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, our friend L.B. has started praying the rosary every single day and like his whole brand is inquiry before dogma. So, Mm. you know, I mean, maybe the maybe like I said, the dogma is just inevitable or something Um. Oh, my God, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, yeah. Sufism. What, how, what can I read to to get more educated on that? I, I, I am aware that it is like the spiritual, mystical arm of Islam. But other than that, I know nothing about it. Yeah. That's, and your interview with the guy the other day.
1: That's how I'd always, <clears throat> always seen it. Um, but I was reading or listening to. I don't sit down and read books anymore. But um <laughs> Listening, which is why, by the way, I haven't finished Yumasville because I have yeah. to actually sit there and hold it, and it's I I can't. <laughs> Just I did don't you, you have. Did you say like, you were
0: gonna? Did you say you were gonna record an audio
1: version of that? Well, yeah, but then I'd have to read it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I
1: know it's so long
0: too. Holy shit! I've been reading this thing since Labor Day weekend. Like
1: it's <laughs> like I, I can get through an audio book on two X. I mean, you know, in a couple of days. So anyway, the the point I was bringing up, anyway. uh, I, Idris Shah. S. H. A. H. wrote a book called The Sufis. He wrote it in I want to say the 40s or 50s. Um, it's it's on on 2x. You can get through it in like nine hours. But I was doing it on 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 a one and a half because there's actually a lot of information in there. He makes the case that the name Suf Sufi, which is I guess um, Ara- Arabic for wool, um, that that term came into being when these particular mystics. Uh, found a home in the Muslim community, but that the tradition actually extends much further back as just like the general archetype of the wandering mystic throughout basically mm. all of human hum, uh, human history. So it's an interesting argument. Uh, there's no way to prove or disprove it, so I'll just say it's I believe it because <laughs> who knows, yeah. right? Um, and it totally makes sense. And it's it's very it's very much not like like I studied the Kabbalah. And a lot of that, like left-hand path shit, like Crowley and stuff. When I was when I was a kid, um, I don't get the sense that it's directing you there, you know. Because is, you could very much say that the Kabbalah is just like straight up Luciferianism, right? Like, there's nothing right. getting you to God in the Kabbalah.
0: Uh, I thought Kabbalah was mystic Judaism. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Oh, but, really? What, I, tell yeah. me, tell me about that. I don't know anything about Kabbalah other than that. So.
1: Oh no, that's that's pretty much it. It's 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 like the same idea that the Sufis utilize like numerology um, you know you have Hebrew okay. and and um, and Arabic and many other languages don't have vowels right so that the words become meaningful within the context and then you can break down the numerical values and the numerical value of this word uh, equals you know the numerical value of this word so you're creating codes that you can then speak to other mystics throughout the ages that other people won't be able to interpret um, the difference being uh, Kabbalah is trying to do that within the Bible and then pulling out things that are very unbiblical, where yeah. the Sufis are creating their own language to communicate to themselves outside of any particular religious tradition, which I find very fascinating. Um, and then, you know, basically, they're they're almost like a like a mix between like Hindu and Buddhist and Christianity. And it's just trying to get you to be a better human being. It's all about love. Right. It's not about finding um some you know being out there that's going to be like the anti-god it is Mm -hmm. recognizing there are powers and principalities and spirits and evil ones and good ones and and understanding how to how to maneuver that journey toward love so it's very um i think approachable to somebody going through like a religious journey or religious experience um kabbalah i you know the golden dawn and alistair crowley used to practice kabbalistic rituals and shit so To me, there's nothing aligned with the light there. I just
0: remember back in the 90s when I mean, we were we were teenagers, probably uh, like all the celebrities before they were Scientologists. They were they were Kabbalists. Yeah, they all had the little red stringer on the wrist. So there you go. Um, Wow. I had no idea. I had no idea that it was uh, borderline Luciferian. Tell me what does what does left hand path and right hand path mean? I've been meaning to ask Cyprian this, but uh, he hasn't been on my show in a while. Um, I got you.
1: (laughs) okay, so I, I don't know. I think I've heard a lot of different definitions of this, and I don't want to have anybody listening think that I'm sure about this, but um, the left-hand path I think is is very much about, it's considered like the evil one, right? Mm -hmm. But it's more about what you do, what you are creating as an individual. So you are focused on yourself and the magic you're creating. Whereas the right-hand path is more about following it towards a particular light, like to letting yourself open up to something that's bigger okay. and more powerful than you. you're not controlling the universe on a right-hand path. Um, actually, somebody said it in one of the chats today. I could try to scroll through. I thought they had put it pretty well and kind of made an analogy between the left today, what we consider like the left wing and the right wing, the left-hand path, the right-hand path. And then Andrew, when he was talking, I was on Tommy Salomon's show i don't know if you listen to this episode but you should you should definitely listen to him talk to tommy on year zero it only came out maybe like a week or week or two ago okay absolutely one of the best conversations i've heard anybody have on any podcast of anybody that i know like andrew takes a totally different like totally biblical understanding and tommy's going through all kinds of stuff right now that's that's super transformative um andrew laid out a lot of shit on there I think you and the listeners would find very fascinating. I absolutely recommend that. But he talked about that a lot too the left hand path and the right hand path and kind of how the, the the left, the way of the left is, the, you know, it's the way of Satan because it's about predation, right? It's, it's and whereas the right is about production. And if you if your if your entire worldview is leaning toward, you know, power and predation, then you're necessarily not going to ever have anything produced, right? You're never, you're going to keep consuming, 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 consuming until it's all gone. Mm -hmm. Whereas you have to have the production, the productive path. And this requires you to actually do work, whether it's spiritual work, physical work, emotional work, you're actually creating something or maybe even physically creating something like a child or a community. Right. And, and, tying that all together with like the left hand path and the right hand path was very congruent for me it made total sense so I, that could just be an interpretation but I'm, I'm rolling with that one for now I think Andrew did a very very good job of and he talked about like the fl- the pre-flood and uh, World War Zero which I don't know if you ever read the World War, World War Zero article but the idea that um, humans were just basically killing each other uh, 7,000 years ago or so until the flood okay. kind of reset everything and then mm-hmm. tying Noah... And his son into the uh, Uranus, um, not Zeus, like the Greek and Roman characters. Like Noah plays a part in that too. It was super, super fascinating. I'm doing a horrible yeah. job of <laughs> summing this it up was, right this now.
0: Was all, this is all Andrew on year zero? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, holy shit. It's wow. a totally different side I'm of it. i
0: surprised I haven't listened to that. I listened to You're, it twice. So- your show and Year Zero are the two that I like. Just I'll pile up like four or five episodes and then just binge them all in like one Sunday of cool, you know, doing chores and
1: stuff. Yeah.
0: Uh, I get I get so much out of y'all shows. So uh, just so you know,
1: And uh, thank you. Man. And, uh, that and that to- Tommy's a, a great guy too. Absolutely great human being.
0: Oh, he's awesome. Yeah,
1: have you met him? Uh, um, I haven't met him in person. I, I def- I've definitely talked to him on the phone, and texted yeah. everything. Uh, I got to meet yeah. his got to meet his wife on a Zoom call the other day. She's absolutely adorable. Yeah, she
0: is. Uh, we were we were down in Austin for Thad Russell's you know, Renegade University oh, yeah, right, weekend, right. and they were at that. Um, got to try some of her South African biltong, which is a lot like beef jerky. Hmm. It's, it's, it's chewier than beef jerky, and it's super, super spicy. Uh, which I lo- which I love, but you know, I mean, if you're not into spicy foods, I guess. Uh, anyway, what you were just saying reminds me of a, a tweet that Jordan Peterson put out recently, and I copied and pasted it. I think basically, it's like if it's re- if it's religion, you have to do something difficult. If it's ideology, someone else has to do something difficult. Like, mm. bas- and that 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 kind of gets into the the left and right as well. I mean, like um, the the being that the left is more ideological than faith. Um, Barring, I guess, this progressive religion that we were talking about earlier. Uh, But even there, I mean, like just this morning, I saw one of my leftist friends had posted on his on his Instagram story. You know, uh, stay home today, relax, nurse your wounds, referring to the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Hmm. Um, Stay home today, take care of yourself. But tomorrow, the work the work begins again. Like they they really are. I mean, thinking that they're doing something. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, so. Whereas with an ideology, then, uh, you know, you're you're actually sucking off the teat of someone else's labor and work.
1: Maybe. I mean, Jordan Peterson's an interesting one because he he certainly uh, is well read and well studied and well spoken on a lot of these ideas, but he's not well lived on them. So I'm not apt to take Jordan Peterson's advice since he can't seem to take his own. And so it's kind of hard for me to to follow him too closely where I, I think if he's really if he really believed what he was saying uh, he wouldn't be slowly killing himself and looking like an idiot half the time but who knows uh, how's he slowly killing himself what's the what's the deal there i'm not i haven't been following him since he came back right? oh i mean just just like watching him like like his physical form you know mm-hmm. like he's he's a mess like it, yeah, it he declined really problems. quick you know whereas and this is interesting because his wife basically like turned religious after her, you know, her thing. Uh, And she looks great. Like she doesn't look like she's aged a day. You know, it's, it's a really crazy. And maybe that's just an inference on my part or just drawing a conclusion, but he looks like somebody who can't accept reality. That's what it looks like. Somebody who's, Hmm. you know, withering away in front of us, you know, who he has all, he has all the answers. He just can't choose them. It's, it's unfortunate. And, you know, the, even the show, even the podcast is, I don't know, a little, what's the word I'm looking for? Desperate. or Sometimes it's a little desperate, desperate. Okay. You know, like who could I talk to about X things? Like, dude, really? True. Like, is that where you want to go? You want to talk about fucking anarchism? <laughs> Why? Why do you want to do that? <laughs> does make any sense. But it, as far as the, um, like the progressive thing, it, it's, it, it really goes back for me. It goes back to kind of what started my whole show, which is saying that I think religion is inevitable. There's a natural Mm -hmm. tendency of human beings. Somehow we're biologically hardwired. It's in our DNA to believe in something bigger than us. And if you take God out, well, now what are they putting in? They're putting in, you know, masks and syringes and or, you know, guns or whatever thing. Gives them a meaning and purpose. I think it was Pete yeah. that said it's uh, it feels like it like their own personal march on Selma or they're storming the beach at Normandy. Mm-hmm. They don't really have meaning or anything to drive their life in any way. There's empty, withered away souls. And so what cause can they get on? You know, you know, destroy Kyle Rittenhouse. Just make something up. Yeah. And you even heard like that that CNN reporter yesterday, which I happen to catch live. Because I finally put a TV in the office and she was just like, well, here's all the things we learned that are now we know that these all all these things are true. And it was like right after that, they had somebody on who was just saying the same bullshit from before. Just didn't even listen to her, just came right on and made a bunch of stuff up. And they had a whole different kind of like, dude, literally 30 seconds ago, this lady just said everything you're saying is wrong on the same state uh, with the same fucking anchor. Like I couldn't. (laughs) They just don't, doesn't what, matter. Like, truth doesn't matter. You just keep saying bullshit over and over and over again.
0: What is that? I mean, at least if you're like, you know, if you're a fundamentalist Christian and you're, you're, you know, defending young earth creationism or whatever, mm. you know, you're, you're engaging with your, with your opponent. You're not just coming on and saying, well, the Bible says this, so we need to believe it.
1: Why? Well, it, it'd be like saying that the Bible, you know, it, somebody says, OK, the in in the beginning, you know, in the beginning, the in the begin, the three words, these three words start the Bible and you go, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. OK, so actually what it really says is and you're like, no, 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 it yeah. doesn't. It says it right here in the beginning. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, what it really says, <laughs> that's that would be, I think, the best analogy. It's like, no, okay. man, like are, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Okay. So it really, it really
0: isn't anything rational or reasonable or anything other than what appears to be mental illness or no. just
1: complete possession by their faith. I mean, I think, I think it's, I, I'm at the point where I'm accepting that, you know, what the Bible talks about as far as powers and principalities and dark spirits that, mm. that I no longer consider that to be a metaphor.
0: Yeah. Oof. Um, God. Okay. Uh, this is this is this has been this has been a tough conversation to have in many spots so i'm i i really appreciate you helping me have it even though it's your show and not mine <sighs> um <laughs> what uh <clears throat> what, what did i want to bring up or what do you have what do you want to bring up it's your show
1: well <laughs> i mean i i'm you know it was interesting i was listening to somebody um i don't remember who it was but it's somebody we know and somebody we probably talked about already and they were saying that this was a while ago probably before covid they were saying that they used to listen to david ike or ikey i don't know how you say his name david ike never actually yeah, said it out I think loud. Ike. so he talks about the lizard people or whatever huh? and this person was saying that he would recommend david ike videos but that people only watched the first half of them because once he started getting into like the literal lizard people that it started getting absurd and he goes now now i tell him to just listen to the second half <laughs> and I, I i that's always stuck in my head as kind of an interesting thing and it was said very unironically and when i think about you know like literal possession meaning something like people don't have ideas ideas have people ideas or spirits and they're just out there and you sort they sort of find you and possess you is is not like a metaphor <clears throat> yeah and i think there you could even probably talk to people in the scientific realm who could find some basis for that neurologically or something, you know, there's got, I don't know. I, that's, that's what I think now. I think it's not, it's not a metaphor. It's all real.
0: Yeah. So where do you, where do you think ideas come from then? I mean, is it really just the principalities and so on and so forth? Uh, it, 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 it occurs to me that really big ideas seem to be thought, by multiple people like um who, who are the who are the who are the two guys tesla and was it edison yeah who's the one that tesla was like a huge rival of yeah you know they were having the same thoughts independent of one another then that and that happens all the time um so i mean where do you think that stuff comes from
1: i don't know i don't know uh, i'm a little bit I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out I think ultimately if like what it, what exactly the ancient texts and the ancient people were trying to warn everyone about mm-hmm. that what exactly were they were they trying to warn on like a on like a meta level like a don't be jealous because we see when somebody's jealous you know they end up um, you know hitting somebody or something or did they really see did they have any kind of technology? That could really see like producing material things, you know, did they have some kind of an insight into that that we can't reference or we can't really see looking back because it's been so long and it was erased? I think there there must have been a technology part to it, like a literal technology, like computer mouse Mm -hmm. kind of technology, you know, I think there's something there, but I don't want to go all the way to like the ancient aliens thing, you know, yet. Like, I don't know exactly yet. But again, I mean, the Nephilim, the giants in, in Genesis, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Like, it's 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 an interesting passage and and they weren't, you know, everything was told in stories back then. It's not like people were sitting around talking about things literally. So you're not real. Yeah. You don't really know. But they were also not materialists in any way, shape or form. So what were they trying to communicate with that? You know, and I guess the, the way I started with this was. I'm going to err on the side of it not being a metaphor because to me, that just seems like a safer bet, you know, kind of like Chesterton's fence for <laughs> the monsters and demons. But uh, yeah, now since I've erred on that side for long enough, it just seems like it's true. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Like with, I know the higher level concept is something that I agree with that there's Stuff out there in the ether and it and we connect to it somehow like electromagnetically or or something happens but the idea that we like the idea anybody could have built the pyramids you know like they did do that they figured that Mm -hmm. out with like like that's massive technology i don't know if people could do that now you know without the aid of like like other stuff we created computers or cad or something yeah So like electricity to make electricity obviously existed right we didn't invent electricity we just invented a way to use it yeah so you know beer right beer like fermentation existed we just figured out a way to use it right like the the idea that distilled alcohol could exist it was the idea was always there we just figured out how to do it so i don't know did people really invent anything or did they just kind of discover the process by which to find it
0: and then like rediscover
1: it a few times, and then rediscover it a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Jeez. Uh, well, yeah, and I—I I mean, you know, I'm—I'm—I'm. I'm, I'm, I have no problem with ancient aliens. I, I think that probably, I, God, I can't remember. I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about like rather than ancient aliens, they actually were talking about I think the Nephilim, um, and how like. They were the Nephilim were the rulers and the technologists and everything and then eventually the humans became so populous that they just overtook them and that's why they're no longer Mm. around.
1: That Um, that kind of goes to like the uh, like the Lord of the Rings analogy, right? Like there's all this magic and yeah, kind of mm -hmm, yeah. Like the world moves on, Uh, or like even like uh, the Dark Tower series or something, mm -hmm. the world just moves on and you forget you forget the magic. I mean, it doesn't even seem like like it's so weird. The things that people believe that humans are going to be capable of in their lifetime, like we're going to be able to, you know, put like build a colony on Mars. Right. And like uh-huh. now, basically, like we could do that pretty much in our lifetime. But yet you'll you'll be like, oh, yeah, aliens visited, um, you know, seven thousand years ago. And they're like, It's absurd. No. How could that ever happen? <laughs> Come on. And you're like, dude, we're literally about <laughs> like, yeah. we're about to go literally colonize another planet in your lifetime. And like you, you can't even fathom that this is possible. You know, yeah. how, how is that? How do those two things even work together at the same time?
0: Um, do you think that. So I know that what formerly known as Vin Armani and Pete Quinones had that series where they were talking about the new age of magic last mm, year.
1: Yeah. Dim, yeah um, dim age stuff. Yeah.
0: And, and it's, it, to me, like it, it makes more sense to call it a new mystical age rather than a magical age, just because mysticism, to my materialist brain, sounds less crazy than magic. Uh, do you think that that's what we're what we're witnessing here? Why so many people are going into Eastern Orthodoxy? Which you know, whatever you, whatever you think about Eastern Orthodoxy, it is the mystical version of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and on on that hand, and then also on the other hand, that the materialists are are creating this mystical religion out of materialism i mean is that do you do, does that ring true to you is that is that like are, are we entering in like a, a mystical age and if so what what are the implications of it do you think
1: well i mean i think it probably goes back to the left hand path right hand path right i mean yeah. The, yeah. the 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 left hand the left the people that are, you know we would say are you know Possessed by Satan or like uh, Stephen Messina likes to say is like everybody in Antichrist now, but like kind of right. I mean, so what is the technology they're creating designed to do? It's not designed to get you closer to God. It's designed to make you more powerful, right? The human being is going to be more powerful with all of this technology that we don't even understand. So I think like Vin's point at that time was, you know, if your, your cell phone breaks like. You don't know how to fix it. You might be able to bring it to yeah. somebody who knows how to do like one thing to try to fix it. And then they have to send it, to, you know, to Singapore or something where that person probably mm-hmm. knows how to do half. Of the, or they just throw it away and give you a new one. Right. At that yeah. point, they're like, I don't really know how to fix an iPhone. It breaks. You just get another <laughs> iPhone. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't think I've ever had a phone repaired since they were flip phones. And like they actually you could repair a flip phone. Like something happens to my iPhone. I send it out. They send me another one. Uh-huh. Right. Like that's kind of magical. Right. We have this thing. We don't know how it works. Nobody can fix I've, it.
0: I've done a couple of screen replacements on past iPhones. You can't really do it anymore. But, you know, the 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 generations of iPhone with the screws where you could actually mm-hmm. like take the screen out and stuff, you could do it. You had to be super careful. I mean, you you handled you handled the internal workings of an iPhone the way that a, you know, 12th century christian would handle the eucharist you Mm. know you you put on you put on gloves and you make sure that you don't have electric static in your hands and um oh oh, you know use this use this little rubber tool to separate the the casing from the screen um don't 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 use a screwdriver because if you use a screwdriver you're going to scratch the casing uh so you know i mean that that in itself even is Mm -hmm. is sort of mystical uh
1: yeah, man, I, I mean, I think I, I feel like if the, the human race survives another 2000 years that <laughs> people will look back on what we're doing now, like it'll just be a big joke, like 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 a just caveman, like using a mouse and looking at a zoom screen and then having yeah. a cell phone that like rocks, like we're just banging, clanging rocks together. Over here, like, oh, look at those idiots Dude. talking over a computer. They didn't. E- they didn't even have the ability to enter each other's minds. Like, what a bunch of backwards cavemen they are!
0: Well, and if you're, if the body of Christ, the Eucharist, is the source and fount of salvation and knowledge and truth and beauty and goodness, then of course you're going to handle it with gloves and put it in a golden monstrance that looks like the sun and uh, venerate it and wave incense in front of it and and worship at it. Mm-hmm. And if the iPhone is the fount of knowledge and material salvation and communication between you and your friends and so on and so forth, of course you don't
1: want to scratch the outer casing of it with a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's mm-hmm. wow. But you know, but you know, here's the thing, though. If you uh that arc of the Covenant there, that like. Mm-hmm. You can't just send that off and get it repaired somewhere. You just yeah. you can't. You can't get a new one. And if that doesn't exactly. like, if that doesn't sum up the difference between materialism yeah. and like an actual path to the light, right? You know, yeah. Like I don't know how my phone works, but it's it's cheap and I can just get another one. But mm-hmm. you you fuck it up with uh, religion. You don't. This is the other one. You get. You get this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. You can't repair it very easily. But I don't know. I mean. You can also find it rather easily too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's always discoverable, I mean, and that that's you know, like Vin would say, that's why it's lasted so long. That's why it's it's the you know the spiritual blockchain has lasted two thousand years because it's it works. You know, it it it's how you get there, and it's it's very easily accessible. All you have to do is go try to find it. And it, and again, I'm not even saying that I'm like doing that, but uh, it's it we. To me it seems pretty silly to do anything else. Do you think
0: uh I don't know man like we're both we're both in Nomad Network with Jason Stapleton and we're both kind of exploring these ideas and we're both identifying the flaws of libertarianism. I think you're probably a few steps ahead of me in that realm. Um I mean, do you think that like Matt Erickson is the one who's figured it all out. Like
1: what, what what are, who, who are our emergent leaders? Do you think? I mean, I, I find that like the different conversations I'm in, that everybody sort of learns from each other. Like, like I, I talk to people who I feel like are on the same path I'm on. And and every time I talk to them, it's like someone discovers something new. And then, you know, I I listen to another show or that that person may have talked to another mutual friend and then, you know, reports back something or it's, um, I think everybody, but it it does seem to me though, like of the core 20 or so people that I'm familiar with that I, none of them have like dropped off, you know, mm-hmm. none of them have been like, okay, this is yeah. getting a little too weird for me. It's like yeah. there were some on the peripheral, uh, periphery that I was kind of friendly with, but weren't really into it, like a Jose or something that kind of fell off for me, but we were never really on that path, you know? so I, I think it's sort of a collaborative thing. And and that's another thing that makes me think it's eternal, right? Because how could so many people be coming to the same conclusions kind of all at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, unless it's, it's an idea waiting for someone to have it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. It, I guess maybe literally <laughs> Jesus, uh, yeah. Jesus, this is blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. All right, I might, I'm going to be honest, my brain kind of hurts and I'm Yeah, that might be be a good place to leave it. (laughs) I really appreciate it, dude. Thanks for inviting me back. This is, this has been, this has been really good. I'm going to, I'm going to invite you again in a month or so. so.
1: Yeah, I think I'll, uh, I I skipped this last week putting a show up. Um, I just totally forgot. Like I usually have it auto set to do on like 1201 Monday morning. I totally spaced on it. So I think I'll just, uh, I have a couple in the queue, but I think I'll throw this one up on monday okay. just uh, Sweet. it's good timing so cool thanks adam all right brother be well man all right everybody that's our show for today thank you for listening thank you to james gentlemen for coming back on and having this conversation with me and that's it all right everyone for now be safe be well i will talk to you soon